All these wellness things are actually very simple. Go do them, but don't take it to an extreme. You don't ever need to go on a holistic wellness retreat and only drink wheatgrass and then put it in places where it doesn't belong. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Today, our guest is Ashley Mills. Ashley is the co-founder and co-CEO of Obey Fitness, a platform that has on-demand fitness classes and workouts that you can do from, well, just about anywhere. And in full disclosure, Carly and I have both invested in the company. We are very excited about it. Ashley and her business partner launched Obey in 2018. And prior to becoming a founder, Ashley worked in the entertainment industry as an agent at CAA. Ashley, thanks for joining us and welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thanks so much for having me, Danielle and Carly. So before we get into the conversation, we like to warm up with a lightning round so we can get to know you a little bit better. Quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready? Love it. Let's do it. What is the very first job you got paid for? A paper route at 10 years old. That was my brother's paper route, but I took it over. I love that. Was he upset? No, he wanted me to. He had no interest in it. There was a time where he dumped all of the papers that he was supposed to be delivering. And then at that moment, I just sort of like took over the paper route. And that was my job moving forward. Do you have any hobbies or skills? I love to garden. I spend a lot of time upstate, especially during COVID. And then I actually recently moved to the Burbs and did a gut renovation. So that was really fun. I love interiors and design. I obviously like to exercise and I'm learning to run. It's a skill that I have never honed. Now I'm, I'm working on that. Is Obey going to teach me how to run? I'm a horrible runner. Yes. We launched audio content. That's actually what got me into this. We launched audio content because so many people were telling us they were going to be outdoors for the summer and wanted these guided runs. And I have always been too bored to run and like my, it wasn't, didn't feel right in my body. And I think having an instructor in your ear who's guiding you along the way, who's explaining how your foot should be hitting the ground and then also like great music and they make it really playful and fun. And yeah, this has weirdly enough turned me into a runner, which I never thought I'd say. Okay. Does your family have any nicknames for you? Oh my gosh. Ash? Trashly84 was my first AOL screen name and it is unfortunately stuck with me. So much so. Sorry. I, I want to make sure I heard that correctly. What was that? Trashly84. Thank you. Trashly. Got it. So my brother used to... Um, obviously, my name's Ashley. Brother used to call me. Yes. And um, 84 was the year I was born. And that was, yeah, my AOL screen name. And so when my son actually signed up for Roblox, I couldn't think of anything else. And so I just used that. So now he is actually 84. Wait, that is hilarious. Keeping it in the family. (laughs) That's right. That's very funny. What's one thing you do before you take on a new challenge? Unsurprisingly, it's, um, it's movement to really regulate my nervous system. So If it's a big moment, so if it's, you know, being on a podcast or speaking, I'll do like some sort of cardio beforehand. So whether it's like a bounce class, that's what I did today before this, um, or like going for a run. And if it's, you know, a challenge that is more, um, you know, like starting a big project or something where I have to like 
really just like channel all of my energy. I'll meditate and do something that like really calms me down so that I can be fully present. If you had to pick one celebrity to teach an obey class, who would it be? That's a good question. Probably Channing Tatum. Yes. He would, he would, he would do a dance class of Magic Mike. That's a good one. I, I will join that class. <laughs> okay, finish the sentence. What best describes your work day working nine till blank? Nine to six. And then I do bedtime and homework. And then it's like 8.30 to 10. I catch up on kid stuff and hopefully like plan something that's fun for my husband and I. And the off chance I don't have anything, which is rare, I'll watch TV. So let's get into the conversation. We mentioned this in your intro, but you were an agent at CAA before becoming a founder. Tell us about that experience. The world of agencies seems very, very tough. I watched Entourage. <laughs> did you work your way up from a mailroom? Like I did. Huh. I did. I oh, did. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I was in the mailroom and that was part of SCA. That's part of the trainee program to becoming an agent. And it's so interesting because you really learn the business from the ground up. So we would open the agency at 6 a.m., bring in the newspapers, deliver the mail. And we were there until eight, really like just running the show, soup to nuts from like an operational perspective. And then obviously like you would just learn so much in the mailroom as you were like opening up fan mail. And, you know, there's so many like wild and crazy things that would happen and also got to see like really fun celebrities. So that was a nice perk. I, I love that. And I, I actually want to come back to that later. Based on what you've said in previous interviews and even the story about your brother and the paper route, it seems like you were a natural entrepreneur. What do you think is in you or how you were raised that contributed to that? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. So I'm just a natural builder. I like to do things with my hands. And I'm also someone who, like, while I have vision, it's really hard for me to understand what something could be until I like actually get into the weeds and start building it from the ground up. And so, you know, as a kid, I remember I would reorganize and redecorate and repaint my walls like once a quarter. I just have always loved to think about how things could go together and fit together. And so I think like at an early age, that was the case, but I also was like a community leader. So I was always like raising money in school and, you know, running a lot of things. And then actually later on in life, I learned that I am ADHD. And I actually think it's one of my superpowers because I get super, super focused on things that I find really interesting. And then I go really deep, which makes for um, you know a brain, I think, that is really good at solving really complex problems and figuring stuff out. That way that my brain processes information, I just find creative solutions where other people wouldn't necessarily see them. That's really interesting how you talked about your superpower. What's your advice for someone that's listening that looks at entrepreneurs, has something that like they find admiring about it or admirable, and yet they don't know how to tap into it themselves? If you have a great business idea and it lights your world on fire and you can't think of anything else you want to do with your time, by all means, go be an entrepreneur. But it's like 1% glamour and 99% blood, sweat, and tears. And so I would say, unless it is the, the only thing you can imagine doing, maybe not become an entrepreneur. And I don't, I'm saying this only because I have experienced, as I'm sure you all have, like how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur and how much time and energy it takes. And I would also say, lean into what you're good at. I know for me, this is my thing, but 
if I didn't have the sort of like natural leadership qualities and whatnot that I do, I think it would actually be like an incredible energy suck from me. And so, yeah, I would, I would just suggest think about what you're really, really good at doing, write down that list of skill sets, and then, you know, figure out what is, what comes naturally and then lean into that thing. And then obviously all the while cultivating other skill sets, of course, but entrepreneurship is hard. (laughs) It is not for the faint of heart. Talk to us about what was the white space you and Mark saw for Obey? How did you guys go from having normal jobs? Because you were in entertainment, so I don't classify that as necessarily normal job, but like these day jobs to taking the jump into starting something. You know, Mark and I were both children of the 80s. So our moms worked out to like Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons when we were kids. And we knew that fitness content could be something that was like engaging and fun and something that you look forward to. And at the time, so this was, and you'll remember it, like 2014, 2016, SoulCycle was all the rage. There was like another boutique fitness studio opening every other week, it seemed like in New York. And there was something that was so special about those experiences. It was a community-driven experience. It felt really immersive. And so when we were thinking about the media industry and how it was changing, the Netflixes and Hulus and whatnot were starting to do original programming, we were thinking like, how could we take this thing that we love, this content category that really hadn't been reinvented at all, create a really immersive experience, a really community-driven experience, and something that would help people to fall in love with movement and find a way to make this something that they wanted to do every day and feel very like confident and capable in their bodies. And so, you know, over (laughs) many bottles of wine, we sort of like made the decision to take the leap. But there was this moment when we were at Mark's house and sort of both of our partners were there and, you know, we like looked at each other and decided that we were going to do this and we had people who were going to hold us accountable. And so we've been sort of off to the races ever since. So Ashley, there's something that we're asking all of our guests this season. And I'm curious your answer, which is what is the hardest thing that you've had to do in your career? Oh man, this is a really good one. So as you go through like different stages of leadership and running a company, the skill sets that are required of you are very, very different at every phase of the business. And one of the things that happened to me, it was actually last year, was I was getting a lot of feedback. And normally when I get feedback, I know the intention there is always really good and they just want their product to be better. And because it's about the product and it's not about me, I can take the emotion out of it. But at this point in my life, I was moving, I was remodeling a house. I had a six-year-old who was like heartbroken over leaving the city and I had two babies. It was just like in a hard moment in life and in business. And I wasn't taking care of myself in the way that I needed to. And needless to say, I was just like, my anxiety was at an all-time high and I was driving people around me crazy. And so I got a lot of feedback. This was like evidence-based, you are doing XYZ things that are making me not like my job. And it wasn't one person, it was people, plural. And so I was obviously so tempted to rationalize it as, as you do, but I like had to really sit with it and that was painful and it hurt and they were right. It forced me to slow down. It, it forced me to figure out what were the things that I was doing that was you know obviously not helping the business or helping these folks. I reached out to a couple of my advisors in the business who recommended a coach and I have a therapist that I that I see quite often. And so that was a really important moment in my life to learn about myself, to learn about how my stress, how my anxiety can rub off on people. And when you're the boss, you have to recognize that there's a lot of people that do a lot of good work to help your vision push forward. 
And so it's not okay to be short. It's not okay to be not like fully present and showing up the way that you want to want to show up. I really love that you're sharing this because I think it resonates for both of us, which is one, getting feedback is hard. And like, I think, you know, in leadership positions, you tend to give a lot of feedback and you also get a lot of feedback. And I think that was one of the things I personally was so unprepared for. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time getting like concrete feedback, as you said, that was evidence-based and it wasn't like one person. It was, it was really like emotional process to sit with it and, and then try to tackle it and conquer through it. And so I'm curious, How did you decide like the one area that you were going to really work on? And then how did you decide if any of the feedback you were like, actually, like, this is who I am? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, the feedback for me was really around control. I think when we first started the business, I could be like hands on and everything. And again, like I'm a doer, a builder. I like the very, very early stages of a startup and of a business when you can control all the variables that at a certain point you scale your business and you have to hire people and trust that they know how to do their jobs. And that the trust part is easy when the business is like skyrocketing and everything is going right. But when there are moments, there are struggles there or whatever, you, at least I feel the need to control. And then that ends up in like micromanaging. And so you're always going to have these sort of like peaks and valleys. And so what I have, what I've done is obviously like really take that to heart. And now anytime that I sort of like feel that coming up and I feel that need to control, I have to like really question why am I doing this? And like, is this a lack of trust issue? And if so, we sort of like get to the bottom of it or is it just me like needing control? So there's that piece of it. And then the second question that you asked was like, how much of it is just you? And if you allow feedback sometimes to like dull your sparkle and dull, dull your shine, when the when that feedback is something that is like so that that makes you who you are, I've certainly had that experience too. And it's important to like be able to recognize the difference of where do I just need to learn and grow, and what is feedback of someone just doesn't like a personality quality, but this is just like exactly who I am. And so, as far as that relates to me. I have just been really honest with people about when those things come up and I get that feedback and they're like, oh, you're really intense or you're really like this or really like that. And I just like own it. I say, listen, this is who I am. We do user manuals at Obey and, and, you know, I've, I've not been shy to say like, Hey, I'm intense. I have ADHD. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of energy. It's sometimes hard, but like, be honest with me, like give me feedback as you're experiencing me to make sure that like you're experiencing the way that I intend. And so. I think that there's so much learning that has has happened as a result of that. But you know, I think that the thing that you're getting at is really important here because if you do listen to every piece of feedback and take it like it's gospel, you will quickly lose your confidence, which is the most important thing I think that you can have as an entrepreneur. Totally agree with you. And I think the confidence part, I personally, like I've had it rock my confidence. And to your point, it is the most important thing that you have as an entrepreneur. Today, what is the thing that you're working on? What am I working on personally? Yeah. What's the area of feedback that you're really working on? We scaled our business during COVID. And that was a hard situation because there's like work from home and you don't have the ability to get to know people as well as you did when we were working in an office. And I think the the thing because of that that I have worked on and that I've learned a lot about is making sure that I make time to get to know people. So if we were working in an office, I would know about your kids. I would know about you know, what you eat for lunch when you're in the office. Like I would, I would know little things about you. And so I make sure to like in our one-on-ones or, you know, if it's someone I don't directly manage, but 
spend some other time with, just making sure to make some level of connection and make sure that they understand that I know what it is that they do and sort of like what's a part of their life. It's very easy to just look at people in in like a given job function, but I think it's essential, especially now, to make sure that you see people as humans and not just sort of that individual job function or what the KPIs are associated with their role. I want to talk about the pandemic. How did you lead your team through it? You guys were a startup focused on health and wellness and fitness at a time when that was so needed and also at a time when you were filming and also trying to maintain a, a startup budget. What was that like in the beginning? Yeah. So in the beginning, um, we, like everyone, shut down. And then we were actually deemed an essential service two weeks into the pandemic. Obviously, the CDC and everyone else who was running New York City, they really wanted people to be home. And so um, they, I think they looked at our service and understood that it was democratized from a price point perspective. And we also spoke to a very wide audience. And what that meant, though, is, is for our production team and talent, we had to like reorganize the way that like everything worked. And it was it was sort of hard to figure out, but it ended up working really well. And we understood how scrappy we needed to be in order to get this done and also make sure that people didn't make any physical contact. Um, but yeah, I think for us, it was really just this very like service-led mentality that pulled everyone through. I think if you were talent on our air or you were producer, you knew that because you were coming in to do your job and that you were focused in the way that you were, even if you weren't able to see anyone or touch anything, people at home were better because they were spending time with you and that this content was something that they could really enjoy. And not only to make their bodies feel stronger, but like, especially for mental health and also kind of the way that it can like bind your community and your spirit. And that actually ended up informing our product roadmap. So we we built a workout parties feature because a lot of people were using Zoom and streaming classes with friends and other places, but it was like a very cumbersome experience. And so we built that on our platform. I think, you know, entrepreneurial learning that you have is like just always like have a service mindset, make sure that you're like creating value for whoever your end user is and thinking about how can you like continue to evolve to make sure that your product is front and center and there when people need you the most. One of the things I'm fascinated by with startups in the fitness space or health and wellness space is we know firsthand like the grind of a startup. Like you are a founder, like we we open the show by talking about the hustle that you have. And yet you also have then a product that is about taking care of yourself. And you also shared today, like times were tough for you professionally. You needed to lean onto these services to help regulate your body and then be your best self. So how do you have the startup team, the pace, get all the stuff off the ground, and then also literally make the time to practice what you preach, not just for you, but for your team? Like, how have you been able to instill that? So this is this is the million dollar question. And I, I love that you're asking this. I feel like life tells me over and over again, like, Ashley, these are the things that you have to stick to. So, you know, I just obviously gave you the example of feedback. And there's been other times in my life where, um, you know, I was like, I was struggling for whatever reason. And I really needed wellness practices. And I discovered a lot about them. I think I probably went to an extreme. I, you know, I can't even tell you um, how much money I spent on boutique fitness just you know, doing all kinds of things from like raw food immersions to, I was like weariness at some point of, of prescription medications. I did a 
two-week holistic health retreat complete with wheatgrass enemas. Like, I'm not even kidding. Ashley, (laughs) you had me at spending too much money on boutique fitness and you lost me at the first example. Well, okay. So it was the, well, I won't even get into it. You can just imagine a cold floor, a wheatgrass enema that is self, uh, self-proctored. So wait, but what, what was that supposed to do? So, okay. So I have, <laughs> I have a uh, psoriatic arthritis and there was a time where, and I had like been taking medications forever, but I was reading, there were like so many influencers in the world that were giving all of this advice. And I just, I don't know, at a certain point, I was like, maybe they're all right. Maybe like doctors are wrong. Maybe I shouldn't take the medication. And instead I should heal my body with food, which by the way, I believe so much in that. And there's a lot of goodness behind it, but there's also a lot of like pseudoscience in the world. And I think there was just a moment where I was like particularly vulnerable and listening to it. But okay. So, so this is again, the world and the universe, like teaching me all the things that I need to learn. So this is August of 2022. So not that long ago, my husband and I were away. He had this this film at the Venice Film Festival. It was amazing. We had this great trip, but I was like really not feeling great towards the end of the trip. We get back. I wind up at CityMD because I have chest pain three days in a row. And I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't good. So I go there. It's like a CityMD trip turns into the ER that turns into a cardiologist Columbia over the course of three days. And essentially what they found is I have a, a genetic heart defect that I've had for my entire life. And I have an aneurysm on my aorta, which is like, I don't know, I watched a lot of ER and I'm like, like, what is this? Like, I'm scared I'm about to die. So the headline is I'm not about to die. But I did, you know, obviously like I've done a ton of research and learning, et cetera. And through all of the time that I've now spent with my cardiologist, who's amazing and asking him like, how can I cure this? He's like, actually, there is no way that you can cure this. All you can do is you can eat well, you can sleep well. You can move every day like you already do. Play with your kids, take your medications. I'll see you in six months. And so again, like yet again, it's just the world being like, oh, all these wellness things are actually very simple. Go do them, but don't take it to an extreme. You don't ever need to go on a holistic wellness retreat and only drink wheatgrass and then put it in places where it doesn't belong. Where the sun doesn't shine. (laughs) Wheatgrass does not grow. It Uh, does not grow. It never will. Yeah. Well, that's a terrifying ordeal. And I'm so sorry that you had that scare. How do you like create a culture and a company where your team is also prioritizing literally either doing your product or taking care of themselves? Again, the way that you started this is like startups are really hard and they're very intense and they're very demanding and contexts are constantly shifting and there's a lot of ambiguity. I think that what we try and do is obviously encourage people to use the product because if they do use the product, whatever the case may be, they're going to be better off. They're going to feel like the natural endorphins. And so that's obviously one piece of it. The other thing that we're doing that we're really excited about is we know now the like virtue of digital fitness. We know how easy it can be to work out from wherever you are, whether it's at home, at the gym. But the other thing that I think people may not realize, but our team knows, and we're trying to figure out how we can you know, really shout this from the microphone is that people still want to be together. They want to work out together. And so what we're doing together is we work out together in the office. So when people are in, we have a studio essentially that we've turned into kind of like a community space that we have a TV and people work out together. And there's something about just that shared experience that is really nice. And then the other thing that I'm doing, because I recently moved to the Burbs, and again, like encouraging our employees to do this as well, is on Sunday nights, I have this group of moms over. There's like 20, I think so far, who have come over to do this with me. 
And we'll do like a half hour of vinyasa and then we'll do a half hour of restorative yoga. And I have the bolsters and the blocks, just like super relaxing and so nice on a Sunday night. And so that has been like a really nice way of, of connecting with people and connecting with community. And so I would, I would always encourage our employees and also our members and anyone who is using our platform as a tool to make their lives better. Think about how you can use it in even a larger context to bring people, whether it's into your home or you go and do these things in different places, but really using um, movement as a way to connect. I've got three final questions. You started off by talking about your experience at CAA and uh, how their part of their culture is starting in the mill room. Is there anything you've taken from that that you've been able to apply to Obey? There are a couple of things that I remember really well Coming up at CAA, Richard Lovett, who was running the agency, he would always say in our full team meetings that everything connects. And it's so true. Like you meet someone at one stage in your life and then they're going to be part of this other stage of your life. The world is very, very small. And I think it's really important to think about that as, you know, as you deal with your colleagues, as you deal with your friends, as you deal with anybody kind of like in your environment. And so that's something that we certainly address. And we have this very like rich partnership strategy And I think the reason that our partnership strategy has worked so well is that we're just like, we're really good to the people that we work with and they know that. And obviously it it leads to like great relationships. So there's that. And then the other thing about CAA that, that I've certainly thought a lot about in relationship to Obey and certainly thought a lot about during the height of COVID was when you take care of each other, good things happen, right? When you take care of each other, good things happen. So if we take care of our colleagues and we help them before we even maybe even do our own work, like good things are going to happen and we're going to push the ball forward and our lives are going to be better because we have the sense of connection. And obviously you can apply it in a lot of different ways. But yeah, those are the two things that I took from CAA that I'll always remember. We have a listener question from Lauren. I'm a parent and I feel like between my job and my family, I have no time to focus on my own well-being. Are there certain tips you'd give someone for how to find that time or make that time? How have you approached that in your own career as a mother? There's a lot of women who feel a sense of guilt. They work really hard. And then, you know, obviously your family can be all consuming and you feel this like sense of if I make time for myself and I'm somehow neglecting something else. I think the the old sort of adage of you have to put your uh, mask on before the person next to you is really important because if you don't take care of yourself, like you just don't have anything to give. And so... I've explained lots of things in my life and like why movement is so essential and why taking care of myself is so essential and the things that will go wrong if I don't. I think everyone has that to a certain extent. And it's a matter of just like getting really clear with your partner and whoever you're sharing responsibilities and tasks with to understand this thing that you need and this boundary that you need to create to make sure that like that time is carved out and that you can do the things that you need to do to be the best version of yourself. Because in the end, If you fill yourself up, you're going to have a lot more to give. Final question. Who's someone else we should have on the show? Ooh, I wasn't prepared for that one. Okay, so there's a woman named Michelle Kidley. She runs the foundation at CAA. Well, she started running the foundation for CAA. And I always really admired her while I was there. I remember at one point, I had just had my oldest son and I went to her and I was like, oh my God, these things are so hard. And she's like, these are the problems that you throw money at. These are the problems that you have to solve in XYZ way. And I never have had someone be like so direct about like, it's okay to throw money at a problem sometimes. 
And as a mom, like, I don't know where you're supposed to be the like nurturer all the time. You're supposed to have all of the answers. I just really appreciated the honesty and I threw money at the problem. And not that I had a lot of money to throw at it, but like you figure out how to make this stuff work because in the end, it's all temporary anyway. So yeah, I would say Michelle Kidley. Ashley, thank you for talking to us today and congratulations on everything at Obey. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for all your support. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise.